Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. But it says this in, in Matthew 1, verse 18. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, but your translation will be very similar. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19 says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Pay attention just to that. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. This is a really powerful thing and I think it's easy to overlook the significance of what just happened. We have to understand that Joseph was a righteous man. He was an honourable man. He was a man of obedience to the heart of God. Joseph loved mercy more than justice. Um, Joseph was most likely a young man. Mary would have been quite younger, but he was most likely a young man, betrothed to Mary. And the Bible calls Joseph a righteous man. And the word uh, in in the scripture, and I can't actually pronounce it, but it's it's T-S-A-D-D-I-Y-Q, is the the word for righteous, which means he was known for his uncompromising obedience to the Torah, the law of Moses. So when Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant, he knows he is not the father, and the Torah, which is the law, clearly stated that an unfaithful wife must be put to death, according to Deuteronomy 22, leaving the law-abiding Joseph with an agonizing decision to make. Does he expose his fiancée and she is put to death by the law or does he choose justice? Oh, sorry, choose mercy. So when he's faced with this opportunity for justice, Joseph chooses mercy. His plan is to privately free Mary from their arranged marriage by divorce, which reveals his desire to spare her public shame and suffering rather than claim his right. Joseph did not allow his devotion to turn into legalism and God revealed his divine purpose to Joseph. The first thing we have to realise is that in the midst of a chaotic moment, Joseph was a righteous man. He was a man who loved the word of God. He was someone who lived according to the word of God. You think about this with me and just let your mind go there. All of a sudden his fiancée gets pregnant. What a, what a scandalous moment. Yeah. 
It's very different to getting pregnant in Australia and our society today. This is in the Jewish culture. Literally, she is now going to be put to death because she has been unfaithful, according to the outward appearance, to her fiancé. And it says here that Joseph says, no, wait a second, I'm not going to cause her, I'm not going to shame her, I'm not going to take her to the local religious leaders. No, instead, I'm going to cover her with love and I'm going to actually leave her privately. I'm going to leave her so she doesn't get put to death. And the worst for her is that she'll have to raise this child as a single mum, but it means that she won't die. He makes this huge sacrifice. Joseph, in the midst of chaos, chooses faithfulness. In the midst of injustice, chooses mercy. (laughs) I just think Joseph is such an incredible example of a man who went, I'm going to actually put what God has said to me first over the natural expression. I'm going to just compare it to this year because for this year there's been a lot of chaos. There's been a lot of things going on, but the question I want to ask you is this. Have you been a righteous person this year? Have you been an honourable person in the midst of the chaos? Because Because of this righteousness and this heart after God, heart after obedience, that Joseph was then a part of raising the Son of God. (laughs) In the midst of complete chaos, the greatest miracle took place. Holy Spirit, let us get this. In the midst of your chaos, the greatest miracles will often take place. (laughs) In the midst of your 2020, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your trials, God says, trust me, respond with righteousness, just as Joseph responded with righteousness and honor, and I will cause you to become part of the divine plan. How amazing is that? So Joseph is in this situation as a first-time dad. His wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which has never happened before. God speaks to Joseph about this. What does that even mean? I don't understand how this works. I can't see it in the Torah. No, no, trust me. Trust me, Joseph. So Joseph chooses to trust God. He chooses to be a man of honor. An honorable man. Honorable men are very, very hard to find. Honorable women are very hard to find. Most people are led by their circumstance or their emotions, but to find a generation led by their convictions in God, (laughs) by their obedience to the voice of God above their circumstance. If I'm honest, church, I don't know if I would have had the same response as Joseph. If my fiance got pregnant and it was the Holy Spirit, I don't know how I would respond to that. And I think if you ask your heart that question, I don't know how you would respond either. Maybe you're more righteous than me, but I just go, man, that is tough. That is a very tough situation. The second thing is this. If you turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, 
because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So remember the story here. There is a decree that people had to go back to their hometowns to register. So, and all the, all the ladies who have been pregnant, I want to speak to you because you will understand this. Imagine traveling 129 kilometers on the back of a donkey at nine months pregnant. Whew, that is tough. My wife, when she was nine months pregnant, had trouble sitting on the couch. Try sitting on a donkey for 130 kilometers through a wilderness. Imagine the amount of toilet stops that happened as baby Jesus was putting pressure on that bladder on top of the donkey or whatever she was riding, the animal. It would have been very, very uncomfortable. Nazareth is the hometown of Mary and Joseph. In 5 BC, just before the birth of Christ, the Romans required them to travel to their ancestral home as they were both in the lineage of King David of Bethlehem. The couple travels roughly 129 kilometers to the city where Christ was ultimately born. The hazards were many. Wild animals, bandits, desert robbers, all these and more factored into the nature of the trip. The valley of the Jordan River was forested. It was a forested refuge for lions, bears, and wild boar. And archaeologists have discovered signs warning travelers of these kinds of dangers. How cool is that? So archaeologists have found these signs saying, don't go into the forest. There are lions and bears and wild pigs. And they will, they will destroy you. And Joseph has to be faithful and in the midst of chaos, get to the destination that God has for them. In the midst of the chaos, the greatest miracle is getting ready to take place. The chaotic journey of a nine-month pregnant lady on the back of a donkey going through, and you've got to remember, this isn't like the roads we have. This is Middle East roads. This is dirt. This is rain, depending on what time of the year it was. This is snow. This is them being obedient in the midst of, hey, strike one was, his wife was already pregnant before they were married. That was already going on. Part two is she's nine months pregnant and they've got to travel 130 Ks at nine months pregnant. That would have been a very, very uncomfortable journey. I've got a map, actually. I don't know, Troy, if you have the map there of the journey that they've taken. It's a big journey. It's a long journey. It would have taken a lot of time. Some scholars believe that they could only do 10 miles a day because of the conditions and the conditions she was in. All because the Romans put a decree in place and ultimately through that, God used that to create something of divine purpose. They could have given up. They could have stopped. They could have stopped at a village on the way through. They went, too hard, too hard, 
Instead, they were faithful. Instead, they kept walking. Instead, they kept trusting God. But this comes back to the fact that Joseph was a righteous man. He was an honourable man. He was a man of obedience. The third thing is this. And if you've got your Bibles, uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. She gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. I was thinking about this, and it hit me pretty hard yesterday when I was just spending time with God about this message. What Joseph must have been feeling to not be able to provide an upper-class nice place for his wife giving birth would have been quite hard. As a husband and as a dad, I'm so thankful that our local hospital, we have facilities we had you know, midwives, we had doctors just there on standby helping us. But to do this massive journey, to go through all this chaos and to get to the finish line and then to not even be able to provide a nice, warm, hygienic place for, her, for his wife and their newborn would have been potentially soul-destroying for him as, uh, as a fiancé and also as a father. I know for me it would have been. I would have been thinking, this is not what I want for my wife. This is not what I want for my firstborn. I'm the man. I should have provided better. I should have thought ahead. I should have, this is not the way it's meant to happen. But God's hand was still upon them. (laughs) You know that Bethlehem was actually an insignificant city at that time. The city of David was considered small, insignificant and the least among towns. The king of kings was not born in the holy city of Jerusalem, but in the little town of Bethlehem. And Jesus' birth was a fulfillment of a messianic prophecy found in Micah chapter 5. I love this. And this is just to speak to someone's heart here. It would have made sense to have Jesus born in Jerusalem, the holy city. Instead, the king of kings is born in a shed in Bethlehem. One of the most insignificant cities. It doesn't matter what you're born into. What matters is the God identity on your life. (laughs) It doesn't matter what your situation is or was growing up, who your parents were or weren't, what opportunity you had or didn't have. What matters is who has God called you to be? Let that break some chains off some minds today because we live, and I'll be honest, in our city with a lot of victim mentalities because of where I've come from. But in the kingdom, it's not where you've come from. It's where you're going. (laughs) The journey of Christmas is not about where someone has come from. It's about where God is causing them to go. Jesus started in Bethlehem, but he made his way to Jerusalem. It's not about just having a heart of disqualification because of your circumstance. Naturally, Joseph and Jesus and Mary should have been disqualified. An unmarried couple getting pregnant. 
a nine-month-old, uh, sorry, a nine-month pregnant woman having to ride on a donkey for 130 k's through dangerous terrain. They finally get to their place, and you think about this, gee, God, in your infinite wisdom, wouldn't you have put them in a five-star palace with the best doctors? It's the Son of God. What are you thinking, God? And God says, my ways are higher. 2020 has brought a whole bunch of challenge, a whole bunch of rubbish, a whole bunch of trial. But guess what? God's way is higher. God's thinking is higher. And you've got to capture this. It's easy to go, yeah, and and to be, God, we look to you. Because if Joseph and Mary had to walk through this, and through that became the greatest breakthrough, the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, then what has God got for you through a really challenging year? So as as we finish, I want to just encourage you to respond in three ways in your heart to Christmas and to this year. Number one, have a heart of honour. <laughs> have the heart of, of, of Joseph, a heart of righteousness, a heart of obedience. Be people of conviction, be people of kindness. Number two, be people of faithfulness. In the midst of the trials, Joseph was still a faithful man. In the midst of him, he had every reason to give up, but he trusted the word of the Lord. And through that was part of raising the greatest of the great. How's your faithfulness? Keep turning up. For Joseph, his faithfulness was as simple as, I'm going to keep turning up to be there for my fiance. His faithfulness was when he was walking, you know, walking his nine-month pregnant wife, uh, fiance on the back of a donkey, he would say, one step at a time. <laughs> Charlie, you're doing good. You can squeeze my hand. You're doing good. <laughs> Come on, Mary, you're doing good. You're doing good. Keep walking. I heard a lion in the forest. It's all good. God's got us. He's taken us this far. He's going to get us to the end. He's got us. Gets to the, to the place, Bethlehem. It's packed out. Everyone's there for this census, for this registry. Uh, I don't know what to do, Mary, but God's got us. <laughs> Joseph, I'm going into labor. It's my first baby. I don't know what's happening. I've got contractions. I'm scared. God's got it. God's faithful. God's with us to the point where Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. Choose to be people of faithfulness. And I love this. This is just to finish it out. Through this, he wasn't just blessed, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. They weren't just blessed but they were blessed in a royal way. Let me read you this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. It says, After this, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. 
And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Don't know if you knew this, but these wise men were actually, according to some scholars, pagan priests. The Magi mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew were astrologers from a priestly class in the land of Persia, skilled in interpreting omens, dreams, and stars. In the Old Testament, Daniel spent 70 years exiled among the Magi from the east. These men may have traveled well over a thousand miles by camel to see the newborn king of the Jews. In those days, a new star in the sky was often believed to herald the birth of significant, a significant person in the, in the land over which the star had shone. And so these three, these three, they weren't Christians. They were of the world. And God caused these three from the world to bring royal riches to place at the feet of Jesus. God will often take the things of the world, often take the riches of the world. There's my son. Hello, wife. Hello. I love you. I'm not going to be distracted anymore, okay? I just think it's so amazing. And then the gifts that they gave were gifts only suitable for a king. Don't miss that. Three unsaved men came and offered gifts only suitable for the king of kings. This Christmas, we just have the, the moment, a moment to offer the King of Kings something worthy of him. These guys traveled a thousand kilometers on a camel just to meet and offer a sacrifice worthy of a king. And Joseph and Mary are in the squalors. They're in a trough. Jesus is in a trough where they feed the pigs in a manger. And we look at all the nativity scenes and think, oh, that looks nice. Oh, the hay looks really soft. No, no, this is different. Three mighty, wealthy, royal men turn up and say, we offer this to you, King Jesus. And this is my prayer this morning. We are now in a season of gift giving. Charlie and I have done our gift shopping, and the power of a gift is in the thought behind the gift. What is worthy of you, King Jesus? What is it that we can give you in the midst of our chaos that is worthy, that you would accept as worthy? You know what the answer is? Your heart. Your heart. 
your heart. The the simple act of God, Father, King Jesus, I give you my heart. In the midst of 2020, in the midst of some things didn't really happen the way I thought, some things hit me for six even, I choose to give you all that I can. A living sacrifice. Yesterday, I, I, um, I'm trying to get fitter, and I've got a friend who runs ultramarathons. So I called him up. How do I run an ultramarathon? <laughs> Literally. How, I need all these 40 kilos. How do I run an ultramarathon? Okay. Um, he said, find the steepest hill you can and walk up it. And then do it again. He said, don't try to run. Just walk up the hill. So yesterday I drove to Vincennia. It's the biggest hill I knew locally. And I walked up the hill. I walked from Blenheim Beach up to the golf club. Tom Herbert went past. Beep, beep. Hi, Tom. I'm dying. (laughs) I got home. My wife said, you know your shirt's see-through? I was like, oh my goodness. That's like, <laughs> horrifying. Horrifying. It was such an old shirt that it had become see through. All oh, the poor tourists. <laughs> anyway, I, I used to live up on, near that golf course with my family growing up. So I know that I used to do hours of prayer walks up around the bushland at the top of that hill. So I walked up there and then I just hit the bush. And I love that because there's no one around. And I had my earpods in, airpods, whatever they're called, and I just had worship playing. And I just had this moment. And it was the song, I stand with arms high and heart abandoned. In awe of the one who gave it all. And I just stood there, I just stopped walking on like rocky, hands in the air, winning. And all I can do is just sing through my tears. I stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I just thought, God, all I can give you is my heart. And the great thing is that's all you want. He doesn't want a billion things from you. He doesn't want you to give all these gifts. and He just wants your heart. Yeah. And so what I thought this morning as we finish, I thought we should take a moment and we're going to sing that song and just say, we're going to lift our hearts. Lift our hearts to heaven and just say, this Christmas, as those three men gave those gifts to King Jesus, we give what we can, which is our heart, King yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And, if, and as, as we do that, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I encourage you to close your eyes and pray the prayer of asking him into your heart. Yeah. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and your wrongdoing. Ask him to be your Lord and to be your Saviour. And then sing along with us and give your heart and come and speak to me or one of our team. We'd love to help you on your journey with Christ. But why don't we stand to our feet? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. 
If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.